Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more information about us, please visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Well, hi, everyone. How you doing? Well, I, I just want to say, Christy and I were uh, gone last week, and we truly missed you. Uh, we really did, and, and we are grateful for this church. Truly, we are. I mean, it is, it's amazing what God is doing in this place, and um, we have so many wonderful people, and I mean, just amazing people in this church, and I don't know, you know what brought you here or why you're here. I don't know what keeps you here. I don't know you know, if you're here for the donuts, I don't know what you're here for, but I just want to say I'm glad, I'm glad you're here. Uh, and, and I know as a church, we just want to be a group of people who are being the church the best way we know how. And, and I just I think about that all the time, and I'm like, I hope we're loving our neighbors well. We want to love our city well. And ultimately, our hope, our hope is that we would see more and more people across Oklahoma City coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's why we exist. Amen? And that's what we're hoping for and praying for all the time. And I just wanted you to know that Sometimes I kind of get struck with the, with the thought that it is an enormous privilege to get to be a part of a historically significant thing together, which is being the church. You understand, like, this is the greatest movement the world has ever known, and God has given us, you and me, the, the privilege to be a part of being the church the best way we know how for the sake of not only his kingdom, but for the sake of the city. And uh, I just want you to know that's, that's, that's a pretty exciting thing to be a part of. Are you with me? Yeah, and so I'm excited about it. So today, here's what I want to do. I want to I jump into uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So if you have a Bible, you can open up to that. We're going to be in that chapter. We're going to be chapter 13, little 14. We're going to be uh, a few other places. But today, I want to try and tackle one of the biggest subjects that we find in the book of 1 Corinthians. And uh, of course, we are in this series called To the City, which we're reading through the letters of the New Testament. And on Sundays, we're talking uh, and doing some messages from what we're reading. And so if you've been a part and you, and you are here, we are in the middle of reading the Bible together. And if you have a Bible reading plan, that's awesome. If you're keeping up, that's amazing. If you're kind of where we are in it and you've been doing it, we are in 1 Corinthians right now. If, if you're like, I haven't made it there and you're still in Romans, I just want to say keep, keep reading. If you're, like, I, if you're still like in the first Bible reading plan we did and you're somewhere in the middle of Matthew that we started in January, just keep reading. You know what I mean? Like our hope is that we get you reading the Bible and that reading the Bible, especially if you can do it every day, it really matters to your heart and soul. And so uh, that's our encouragement to you. So 1 Corinthians, uh, one of the biggest subjects that I believe of 1 Corinthians is found right here. And it is the matter of spiritual gifts, which is covered in chapters 12, 13, and 14. Paul talks a lot about it, though, in other areas as well. It's one of those kind of subject matters in the New Testament that is important to talk about. And apparently in the city of Corinth, this was an issue that they needed instruction around. Paul needed to talk to them about it because they were experiencing it, but they also needed to learn a little bit more about it. So here's what I want to do today. I want to uh, spend about the next 15 or so minutes uh, putting on my teacher hat um, to kind of talk and do a teaching on spiritual gifts. And so 15 minutes is like pastorally speaking. <laughs> um, and then I want to spend 15 or so minutes kind of on chapter 13, which is sort of this epic crescendo, if you will, around the four-letter word of L-O-V-E. And, 
And I believe by the time we get to the end of that, we'll be ready and primed to worship. And so we just spent a little bit of time of worship at the beginning. We're actually going to spend more time worshiping at the end of today. And I think we'll be ready to do so as we read God's word. And so I, I hope this sounds good. Does this sound good to everybody? That's the plan. Good, because that's what you're getting. <laughs> uh, all right, I have five thoughts I want to share. And uh, some preachers call these points. I'll let you make that decision if, they, if I made a point or not. Um, but my, my whole, ultimate hope is to have a point today, and I'm going to share some thoughts along the way. Are you with me? So the first thought. First thought is about, about spiritual gifts is straight from the Word. The first thought is this. We should not be uninformed or ignorant about the gifts of the Spirit. This comes straight out of the very first verse of chapter 12. Paul says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. So Paul states clearly that there's, this is something that you need to know about. And I think this is one of those areas in the Christian faith that a lot of people don't actually sometimes know a lot about. Some people know a lot about it, and some people don't know any about it. And it's because we start to get into these words in the scriptures, and, and some of the gifts that you see listed are things like faith and healing and prophecy and tongues and knowledge and all sorts of words that that, that, need, that, that are hard to understand because they extend beyond natural things and they move into things of the Spirit, things that can even be classified as supernatural. And so for a lot of us, these are words that we just we're unsure about what to do with them. But they are words that are in the Bible. And so I think it's something that we shouldn't be scared of. We should actually lean in. We should not be uninformed. But I also think that this is an area of curiosity for anybody. So if you're a Christian, it's an area that we should be informed about. If you're someone who's exploring faith or even someone who would say, I'm, I don't know if I'm a Christian or I'm not a Christian, this is an area of curiosity, I believe, that's out there in the world. Like, what is all this stuff about spiritual gifts? I mean, because people have a lot of questions around this area. And so I think this is something that we should all be informed about no matter where we're at in our faith journey. I remember uh, a few years ago, Addie, um, my, my daughter Addie, she she joined a basketball team, and it was her first sports team experience, and perhaps her last. I'm not quite sure yet on that, but um, and she joined this team, and and uh, and I remembered on the first night we got there, they're out there on the court, and I could notice the coach. Um, it, it, he didn't quite seem to know what was going on. I was so thankful that this gentleman had volunteered and he had said, yeah, I'm going to help serve these kids. But we get on the first practice and I'm like, I don't know if he knows what he's doing. So I go out on the court and I'm like, hey, man, do you need any help? And he goes, he goes, man, do you know anything about basketball? And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like yeah, I eat basketballs for breakfast. You know what I mean? Like, um, I didn't say that. Um, but I was like, of course. And he's like, well, good, because I need some help because... I don't know anything about basketball, but they said they needed volunteers, so I said I would help, and so here I am. And I'm thinking, man, that is so awesome and honorable that you would, like, volunteer to serve and do something. But don't you think you should actually have a clue about the thing that you're claiming that you are? You know, if you say you're a basketball coach, you should probably know a thing or two about basketball, right? And so I think for Christians, the word for us in that is if we say we're a Christian, we say we're a follower of Jesus, if we say we have the Holy Spirit in us, don't you think we should be informed about the things of the Spirit? Are you with me? Don't you think we should actually know what we're talking about when we say we have something? We have the Holy Spirit. We should probably know what those gifts of the Spirit actually mean. And so, my friends, we begin with do not be uninformed. So let's begin with the definition. What is a spiritual gift? We'll just find it this way today. It's a sovereignly given spiritual ability to serve the Christian community. And all these words are important in this definition. Sovereignly, 
It's only by God's choice that gifts are distributed and manifested in people. You can't choose your gifts. You know what I mean? It's not like a dessert case. You know what I mean? You're like, mm, that looks tasty. You don't get it. It's not like that. You, God actually is the one who sovereignly distributes. And they are spiritual abilities, meaning at their foundation, they are not natural abilities, but they are actually spiritual ones. And they're intended to serve the Christian community, the church, the body of Christ. This, there's many scriptures that, that reinforce this idea that this is actually for the body. Now, there are some circumstances in which gifts are used to authenticate the ministry of Jesus, which you can see, obviously, in the Gospels as we read them. But typically, and what you see most of the time, is this is for, this is for the sake of the church. So we begin with that. Do not be uninformed. Be informed. Be schooled, if you will, in the ways of the Spirit and His gifts. Second thought. There are different gifts, ministries, and works of the Spirit, but all from the same God. Now, this is... You know, oh, okay, I get it, but let, let's just, why, why bring this up? 1 Corinthians 12, if, you, if you're reading along your Bible, I'm just going to kind of skip through that chapter here. But starting in verse 4, though, it says, there are different kinds of, let's say these kind of words together. There are different kinds of yes. gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service. service, but the same Lord. And there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So why does Paul refer to the different kinds of gifts, different kinds of service, different kinds of working. Is he just reinforcing the same thing or do they actually mean something different? Well, many commentators speak to the fact that a lot of the gifts are, they are actually given in a couple different ways. There are gifts that are distributed for the sake of different kinds of ministry or service. For example, in the book of Ephesians, Paul writes that some are called to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. He gifts them for that purpose. That's a type of ministry that they will do. Right? Some people get the gift of mercy or the gift of helps or the gifts of leadership. These are the kinds of ministry and the service that they will do. But then he says in verse 6, although some will work in those kinds of service or ministry, there are some that there's different kinds of working. The word working there is the Greek word for activities and power, specifically referring to the work of the Spirit. Perhaps the easiest way to say it is the miraculous works that God does. So some gifts are distributed for the purpose of creating works of ministry and, and, and kinds of ministry and service, and some are created and distributed for various types of works that God will do. Uh, specifically for us, I think what we can see it is there's maybe these two different kinds of ways that God's work. Paul wants to make sure we know that these all come from the same spirit. They're from the same God. And this is important because how many of you know how many of you know that not everyone will experience the same gifts, <laughs> right? How many of you know that not everyone will experience God exactly the same way? You're like, that, really? Um, how many of you know that some people will experience a work of God that someone else will not experience? Are you with me? Are you following me? But how many of you know that all of these things are from the same spirit? Now, here's, what's, here's where this comes into play, right? How many times do you hear someone say, oh, I've never seen that happen before, so that, might, that can't be from God? Right? Right? You know what I'm saying? And so I remember a few years ago, I was at a church. The church I was at previous to this, we had a group of students go to South Africa, and they went on this amazing mission trip. They come home, and they're telling stories about what God's done. And one of them shares this story about how this lady who was blind now could see. And there was a miracle that happened. And, and I had another student come to me afterwards after hearing that story. And I said, I don't know about that. I've never seen God work like that. And I said, neither have I. I've never seen God work like that. And I said, but do you believe that God could work like that? Do you believe that he does works that you can't comprehend? And they're like, well, yeah. 
I think, I think so. And I said, well, that's, that's exactly what Jesus teaches us to believe, that all things are possible for the one who believes. So there are going to be works that you don't experience, but that doesn't mean they don't come from the same God. So sometimes he's going to do different kinds of works, and sometimes he's going to distribute different kinds of gifts to do different kinds of ministry, pastors, teachers. Some he'll give gifts of faith or mercy. Others he'll distribute gifts of wisdom. And God distributes and manifests his gifts as he determines. You understand that? As he determines sovereignly. And as a parent, I totally get this. I completely, I, I hope that I'm completely fair to my kids and how we, at times in life, distribute gifts. Right? At Christmas, Christy and I will give our kids gifts, of course. And we fairly calculate, you know, how to distribute them accordingly. And, for example, this past year, we gave our two oldest daughters, Emily and Karis, we gave them some makeup, and we gave them some, an essential oil diffuser. And before you guys think we're, like, terrible gift givers, we gave them some other really cool stuff as well. <laughs> now, it would be ridiculous for us to consider distributing the same gifts to my five-year-old son, Grayson, right? Like, he would, he would actually throw a fit right there on Christmas morning at the base of the tree, right? If we were like, he's opening up some Mary Kay and some lavender oil to diffuse in his room. You know what I mean? Like, he'd be like, no, I'm not having this. But, but no, we, we, of course, distribute the gifts according to how we determine is best. And so we gave him, you know, Legos and action figures, and he was happy, and he got it. And, and I think in similar ways, this is how the Heavenly Father, obviously, that's a little bit elementary version of it, but how the Heavenly Father looks at us and he determines what is best and how he distributes his gifts to his children. So the next thought I want to I want to share, I need to speed up a little bit. Number three, the, the next thought, the gifts of the Spirit are for the benefit of all. Verse number seven says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Gifts are not just for us. In fact, they aren't even purpose for us in our intimacy, which sometimes people make gifts into that, don't they? They're like, oh, this is for me, and for, this is the, how God is working in me. And it's not even for that. It's actually for the body of Christ and even for the sake of the city. So the statement that we see within that verse in verse 7, manifestation of the Spirit. Now, this is an important kind of uh, phrase because it's so important to to see that the different kinds of gifts that he will do, he will manifest them at times, meaning he will literally manifest a gift for a specific purpose, place, time, for his will to be done. Now, he lists several gifts like this, and I won't read through them all, but you'll see them on the screen right there in chapter 12. He reads, or he, he lists things like the message, or the message of wisdom, the words of knowledge, gifts of faith, gifts of healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, discerning spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. This is one of the lists that he gives of different gifts that he gives. He gives some other lists in, in, in 1 Peter 4, Ephesians 4, but then in Romans 12, he gives this list, and I'll put it again on the screen, but I won't read through it all. But he says, gifts of prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, mercy. So these are some of the gifts that he uses to manifest at special moments and times, right? For example, God at times will give someone a word of knowledge. And if you don't know what that is, it's like when someone comes up to you and says, I believe God has given me a word to share with you. 
And maybe at times that word will be very encouraging. You'll be like, wow, how'd they even know that? There's no one that knew that be about me before, but somehow they knew it and they spoke to it and encouraged you. It always is used for the edifying of the, of the church, right? And of the people. But, uh, but that, just because they got a word of knowledge does not, does not make that person all of a sudden knowledgeable in all things. No, God manifested them for um, a gift in that moment for that word, but they are not knowledgeable in all things because, you know, I mean, who knows? They could come up to me and say, hey, I think I have a word for you. Does the word pancake mean anything to you? I'm like, no. I'm hungry, but no, it doesn't mean anything. They're not knowledgeable in all things, but they have the gifts manifest at times in the words of knowledge. Are you with me? And so this is what happens, and this is why sometimes we pray for healing and it doesn't manifest, and other times we pray for healing and it does, and we see people healed. Verse 11 says, all these are the work of the one and of the same spirit. So he reinforces that. It's all from God. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And again, this is for the benefit of all. He reiterates this. If you skip ahead to chapter 14, verse 12, he says, so it is with you, since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. He's like, hey, if you're going to do this, if you're going to be eagerly designed, make sure it's building up the church. It's not about you, so to speak. Fourth thought. Gifts are of equal value and all play a vital function in the body. Verse 12. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. He goes on for the next several verses and gives that amazing illustration where he talks about the body and some of our arms, some are legs, some are eyes, some are like pinky toes. And he talks about how all of them work together for the sake of the body and they all matter in the body, no matter what part we play. And then he goes in verse 25 after he shares that, he says, there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. See, we have a tendency, and I think you would agree, we have a tendency in this world to elevate certain gifts or talents in this world over others, do we not? Right? I mean, think about a football team, right? In a football team, we tend to elevate the quarterback or the wide receivers because they're the flashiest or whatever. But who knows that if a, real, if a team that's a really good team, it's the guys in the trenches, right? It's the guys that are playing offensive linemen that we have no idea what their names are. That those are the ones that if they're not doing their part well, the quarterback's never going to get the Heisman. The quarterback's never going to get the MVP. It's not going to happen. And this is where the Bible is saying enough of this whole like elevating others Everyone matters. The, the scriptures are saying God's gifts are equal and they're all vital to the health of the overall body. Every person matters. This message is profound in a world that looks to diminish people and elevate some people. This is, this is profound for you because I think this is not only a message for the world, but it's a message for so many in this church. For you to hear someone say to you that you matter, and it's not me saying it, it's God's word saying it. That you matter profoundly to the body of Christ functioning as it should. The fact that some of us sit in here and think my part of the body is not all that important. I want you to know that that is the deception of the enemy over your life. That there is something that you need to awaken to where God has said, I have gifted you. I have designed you uniquely for purpose in my body so that when you work to your fullest potential, it makes the whole body stronger. And so some of you need to hear that. This is a message for you to say, you know what? You matter in the body and that you are special and designed for a unique purpose that no one else can fulfill. So the last thought, 
gifts should be valued and sought after. They should be valued and sought after. Chapter 12, the end of chapter 12, the last verse says, Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Now he says yet as if there's, there's something that's actually better than the greater gifts, which is quite interesting, which we'll talk about in just a moment, and that's that epic crescendo that I talked about in the beginning. So, eagerly desire, though, he says, you, it's okay, I want you to be encouraged that you can actually ask for God to do more. (laughs) You can actually ask God to manifest his power and his presence in you more. Now, this doesn't mean that God's presence ever leaves us. This doesn't mean the Holy Spirit ever leaves us. In fact, he's always with us, but there are times when he manifests himself more powerfully in you. And you're actually asked, you're actually allowed to ask the Holy Spirit to do more in you because you want to see more of his power and his presence made tangible for the people in the world around you to see to, for the sake of what though? To edify the body and to proclaim the message of Jesus to the world. That he is more than natural, he is a supernatural reality that exposes people to the the bigger picture and the bigger realities that exist all around them through Jesus Christ. And so when we ask for more of God, we are actually asking for more manifestation of his work, more gifts of his spirit, and we can eagerly desire that. It's okay. He encourages right here. He's like, go after it. Ask for more of it. And I love what it says in the Passion Translation. It says, boil over with passion for the greater gifts. And I just want to ask you a question. Have you ever boiled over with passion for the greater gifts. I think this goes back to the very beginning. Are we uninformed about the gifts? If we're uninformed, we're definitely not going to be boiling over with passion. But when we're informed of them and we understand why they exist and what purpose they're for, we're hungry for more. We feel freedom in the pursuit of what God wants to gift us. The point is you can desire them. We're allowed to eager desire them. But then let's go back to verse 31 because we eagerly desire the greater gifts and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Uh, well, I thought what you just said was pretty excellent. That was pretty awesome. No, but I got more. Chapter 13, verse one. If I speak in tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries of all knowledge, and, I have, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Paul goes on and he talks about this reality that we could have all the gifts of the Spirit that, you know, that we could ever have, but if we do not have love, then we gain nothing. We're nothing but a bunch of noise. We're nothing but a resounding gong. We're nothing but, and you knew I was going to do it. You're nothing but a clanging cymbal. I love that. Actually, I hate it. It's very annoying. <laughs> We're just a bunch of noise without love, right? Spiritual breakthrough, gifts of the spirit, all the, spi- the thrills and chills of spirituality, they mean nothing. We're nothing but a resounding gong, which by the way, I wanted a gong. I wanted a big old gong. It was just way too much work. And so instead, Ryan taught me this which was pretty awesome because I just did a flip with that. Um, (laughs) Thanks. Just a bunch of noise without love. And I really, as silly as that is, like it almost makes sense to me. Like 
That, that, that is really annoying. <laughs> and, and if, for the, how many times have you seen churches or people or, and, it, and it's all about the thrills and chills and they lack love. It's all about, oh, we want, we want more of all of God's goodness and grace and everything for ourselves, but it's, they, yet they lack love. How annoying is that? <laughs> I believe it's written right here in plain words that it's possible that we can get caught up in spiritual energy and powerful works of God and forget about love. I think that's what was happening in, the, in, in Corinth and, and what Paul was speaking to, that we can get insular and fixated on the gifts and that love. And Paul is saying, I want you to eagerly desire the gifts. There's nothing wrong. It's good, it's good, it's good. But the glory of God and the purpose of the gifts is all about love. They all live in submission to love. It's sort of like saying you can have your, you know, it's, it's, it's the icing on the cake, right? That, 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 that love is the cake. It's the substance. And the gifts are just the icing. You just make it better. It's like the ceiling, like, Love is the ceiling. It's what covers us and protects us. But these cool wood pallets, those are like the gifts. They just make it look good. You know what I mean? They have a purpose. They're important. But it's all about love. So why do we even talk about love? I mean, if Paul says the supremacy is all about love, I mean, excuse me, why don't we even talk about the gifts? If it's all about love, then why even talk about the gifts, which is what a lot of churches do, right? They just kind of skirt past what the Bible says about gifts because they say, oh, it's the supremacy of love. It's all important. So we don't even talk about the gifts. Well, look what he says in chapter 14, verse 1. He's like, no, 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 no. We're talking about both here. He says, following the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. This is the message to, I believe, Christians and to this church and to, and to our city in some ways that we must follow in the ways of love. And by the way, who showed us the way of love? <laughs> Jesus did, right? We must follow in the way of Jesus and we must eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Perhaps this is something that I would say reveals something pretty obvious, but maybe we miss. That gifts and love are connected. <laughs> that there's something about when we get gifts, it's really about love. Think about it. We have a God who gives us these gifts. Why does he give us gifts? Because he loves us. He, he, he gives us things that out of our own power we would never experience. He gives us glimpses of heaven right here on earth. He gives us supernatural abilities that don't even make sense, but he gives it to us not for our sake, but for the sake of us knowing that he loves us enough to not only give us these things, but to use us in his story. You understand that he's like inviting us into his story. That's why he uses us in these ways. It's about God's love for each of us. And he wants to empower us to not only different kinds of ministry, but he wants to allow us to be part of different kinds of works. And if all he did was give us gifts and he didn't do it with love, it would become pretty empty pretty quick, wouldn't it? It'd be really noisy, like, whoa, that was flashy. That was amazing. But eventually, eventually it would just be a bunch of noise. Go back to my little Christmas gift kind of picture, right? Me and Christy, we're going to give Christmas gifts to our children every year, but at Christmas we, we, we took off for Hawaii because we needed some well-needed relaxation on the beach. But we left piles of presents at the house for the kids to open while we were gone because we didn't take them to Hawaii. 
And we said, open the gifts while we're gone. And we did this year after year because it became a pretty good tradition for us. <laughs> and so every year they opened the gifts without us being there. We did this on their birthdays and on the weekends we just handed some gifts to a babysitter and said, you know, give them the gifts when we're, as we're gone. And if every, it, do you think the gifts would mean anything? Eventually, they would just be like a clanging symbol. They don't replace love. And so maybe for us, when we're, we're reading these passages, so many times we make these things about us, like, oh, God's going to give me these gifts, and I'm supposed to steward them well, so I'm not a resounding you know, gong, a clanging symbol. And so we, we put all this you know, pressure cooker sort of pressure on ourselves to make sure that we're doing everything right. And maybe instead of us looking at it through the lens of just ourselves, we look at it through the lens of what is this telling us about God? What is, what is this whole passage telling us about God? It's telling us that we have a really good heavenly father who likes to give us gifts because he loves us. He likes to give us realities of heaven that we don't realize that we can experience right now, heaven on earth. He also loves us so much. He also loves us so much that he sits with us. He doesn't fly off to Hawaii. He sits with us and he's with us through the breakthrough. He's with us as we grow and experience his gifts. And you know what? Sometimes he's like, you know what? You're gonna have to actually work for the gift a little bit. You actually have to unwrap it. He doesn't just always just hand it right in our laps. Sometimes we have to do a little bit of work for it, but he watches us in the journey and the process and he sits with us because the Holy Spirit never leaves us. He's always with us. And then as we discover more of these things with us, he sees our hearts grow and our faith grow. This is the picture of God's love for us, that he wants, he wants to not only give us good gifts, he wants to be with us in those gifts, and he wants to continue to see us flourish into the life that he's called us to live because we are unique, we are special, and he's designed us to be such. And he says, I want to release you into the fullness of everything I created you to be. That's why I'm giving you this. So when we read this, not through the lens of pressure cooking, my, pressure cooking myself to do everything right, but instead, what does this say about the love of the Father? It changes everything. So what is love? Well, he goes on in 1 Corinthians 13, right? What does he say? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love that's not empty, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. So what is love? He says it's two things right here. I mean, other scriptures could teach us more, but right here in this passage, he says it's two things. He says it's patient and kind. And again, we're looking at this. What does it say about God? So many times we read this scripture and we think, oh, this is where we're supposed to be with our, you know, people. We're supposed to be loving and kind, patient. What if this was about what God is doing? For, how, many, how many of you would say God's been patient with you? How many would say God's been pretty kind? Well, no, what is love? What is not love? Oh, he says eight things that love is not. Just to make sure you understand, he says love is not jealous. It's not envious. It's not boastful. It's not prideful or rude. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-centered, easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs. It does not rejoice in evil. So if this is about God, what if we just replace the word love for Jesus for a second? Can we do that? Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy. He does not boast. He's not proud. Jesus does not dishonor others. Jesus is not self-seeking. 
He is not easily angered. Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus not delight, does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And then I'll just finish, you know, that, this famous passage. Jesus always protects. Always trusts. Jesus always hopes. Jesus never fails. I mean, I know the tendency is to try and apply this passage to our own life and go, am I, am I doing all these things? Am I patient in traffic? And am I, am I loving my kids patiently and kind? I mean, we, we, we start to apply it to ourselves, and, right, and rightly so. There's times when we should. There's times that we need to look at ourselves in the mirror and go, am I loving? Am I following in the ways of love? What are the ways of love? It's the ways of Jesus. The love of Jesus is exactly what people need in this world. Everyone in the world searches for meaning in life. You know that, right? And they're searching for love in life. And there's certain things that they can find, of course, out in this world. There's types of love that they can discover within people and friendships and in spouses that is a beautiful and wonderful thing. But there is a kind of love that nothing can fulfill except Jesus. There's a kind of love that people are searching for that the only thing that will ever fulfill that search is Jesus. And here we are, we read this passage and we've completely always looked at this in such a way of me trying to figure out what's my gifts and me trying to figure out, oh, I wish I had that one, they have that one, and I don't think that's really a work of God. I've never seen that happen. And we start arguing about the gifts. Gifts, 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 if you like the Grinch. <laughs> we start arguing about the gifts. We start arguing, and he's like, no, no, no. I want to show you a more excellent way. If I don't have love, none of it matters. And by the way, Paul's like, I'm just, this is exactly what our heavenly father does. He distributes his gifts sovereignly in his timing and in his plan. It's not about you. It's about being open to receive and be ready for God to use you in the body of Christ. It's about saying, God, I, you can, there's sometimes people will operate within seasons of their life and they have a gift manifest quite frequently and then it goes away. Why? Because he sovereignly determined it. There's a time that people walk in ministry and they say, oh, this is what God's gifted me in. And then later on they have other gifts. Like it's not a, it, it's just about being faithful. And it's just about saying, God, I want to submit and follow your ways of love. And you use me however you want to use me, God. But I do not want to be uninformed when it comes to the gifts. I want to eagerly desire the greater gifts because I know that they are for a greater purpose and they're for your good, God. And so often we make the gifts about something else. It's so weird. You know, I don't know if I have all the right theological framework around gifts or the Bible and as a whole. I make a lot of errors in my understanding you know what I, what, what I do know is that sometimes we get caught up in correction and the right thing and what's right and what's wrong versus just boiling over with passion. Can we just boil over with a little bit of passion and forget about what's right and wrong all the time and just say, Lord, it's about you and all I want is more of you and all I want is to pursue you with everything I have. I want to give you more of myself and I believe that, Lord, you want to be the giver of good gifts that will kind of just keep coming in life. Like, I don't get one and that's like, oh, you know, I got chocolate cake for the rest of my life. No, no, no. He's like, he's like, I gonna, you can eagerly desire more of it. 
Like, I'm the distributor of the gifts. I give them as I sovereignly determine. It is not you to decide what you have, when you have it, or, or how you have it. I will give it as I determine. Your job is to follow in the ways of love and eagerly desire the higher gifts. Mm. So if you're here today, and you're one of those people that's going, I don't know if I matter in the church. Today, your loving Father wants to say, not only do you matter, you matter as much as, much as anybody I've ever created. You matter as much as anyone else. And I love you so much that if you let me, I will sit with you in the moments when you discover more of my love. I will sit with you in the moments when you get to unwrap the things that I want to give you. And I will watch you in the journey as you grow from where you are now into the person I've created you to be. That's how much you matter to me. That's what God is telling us in his word. And sometimes we can forget that that's what this Christian life is about. And we can think it's about what they have, what they don't have, what that church is doing, what we're doing. What work really is real? What work really isn't real? I don't know what's real and what's not. I just know what I want, who I want to be, right? Like, I'll let God sort all that out. <laughs> now, don't hear me wrong. I want to be as faithful to the Word of God as I possibly can, as best as we can understand it. But I want to boil it with passion. So I want to close today. I want to invite you to respond. And you can, you can say a prayer today. Um, maybe your prayers is thank you for your love, God. Maybe your prayer today is, Lord, I want to follow in the ways of your love and I want to eagerly desire your gifts. But I just want to, I want to respond by just uh, inviting you to stand. So go ahead and do that right now. Would you stand with me? We're going to spend a moment in prayer. And then we're going to worship. We're going to worship for the next 15 or so minutes. And... Uh, But in order to kind of open this time and just of time of response, I'm going to ask you to just get in a posture of prayer. Maybe it's bowing your heads or closing your eyes. And I want to invite the Holy Spirit to just uh, come into this room. And, and, uh, and I know he's already here, so when I say come, I just mean we're going to invite him to come in a way that, that we're, we're sensitive to, to hearing from him and, and maybe even being ministered to by him. But you may want to Maybe in a posture of ready to receive. You may want to put your hands out in front of you if you want to. You don't have to. And I'm actually just going to give some space and we're going to wait on the Lord. And I think sometimes when we pray one of the oldest prayers in the church and we just say, come Holy Spirit, come. And we just wait on him. Well, guess what? He actually hears our prayer and he does. So I'm going to pray that now and we're just going to stand and wait on the Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come right now. We ask you to do what only you can do. Say what only you can say.
right now, you could just say, doesn't have to be a complicated, long prayer, simple prayer. Father, I want to follow in the ways of your love. That may be all you want to say right now, but just, Father, I want to follow in the ways of your love. You're, you're a follower of Jesus in here. If you, if you, if that's your life and you claim to be a follower of Jesus, I believe you can say, and I want to eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. You can say that right now if you want. And then I want to just take a moment and anyone in this room that Maybe as we talk about the love of God and the fact that you matter, you just have felt the Lord's presence just drawing you to himself. And, and I, just, I don't know if this is something um, that applies to someone today, but I just had a, a prayer of like someone that was believing and has believed for a while, but they've never confessed with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. You know, you, you, you've, you've been believing in God and but in your heart, you're wrestling still. And now, right in this moment, you're feeling God's love sort of draw close to you. And if I, when I say the words, have you ever confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you're realizing that you've never done that. And the Bible says that, that it's not just about believing, although that's part of it, it's believing in your heart, but it's also confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that that is where salvation is found. And so today, if that's where you're at and you're like, I want... I want to have the full um, salvation that God provides and that God through Jesus gives us. If today that's where you're at and you say, I, would, I, I want to say yes to Jesus, I want to confess that he is Lord of my life, I want to give him my life. If that's where you're at, would you just, I'm just looking, no one else is looking around, would you just lift your hand if that's where you're at? I just want to lead you in this little moment to just say yes to Jesus. Anybody want to raise their hand this morning? If you want to give your life to Christ, if you want to confess that he's Lord, would you just say this prayer? Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. Now say, I confess that you are Lord. I confess that you are Lord. Now say, I will follow you in all of your ways. I will follow you all of your ways. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to worship, and as we worship, this altar's open if you want to come and pray. Of people here available to pray, but we're just going to spend some time worshiping because he's worthy of our worship because, man, what a good God we have. He's, he loves us so much, and, and we get to just thank him for his love and worship him back by saying, Lord, I love you. I love you. So let's worship together. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.